This is the future. This is health. This is love. This is harmony. This is how we get together and make community. Are you ready to be the change you want to see in the world? Are you ready to make choices that have a positive impact on your daily life, your community, and the planet? You are in the right place. I'm Anne-Therese Gennari. And I'm Robin Shaw. And this is the Hate Change Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Four Days. They're one of my favorite clothing brands because everything is 100% recyclable and ethically made. With every purchase, you get swap credits, so you can use their carbon-neutral shipping to send back a piece you've worn all season or all year and use those swap credits towards something new. The four days items you send back get shredded and turned into new fabrics, closing the loop on their sustainable fashion. To kick off your spring cleaning, start with their number one bestseller, the Take Back Bag. It's simple. Fill up your four days take back bag with clothes in any condition from any brand and send it back to four days using their prepaid shipping label. They work with partners to recycle, downcycle, and upcycle what you send in. The bag is only $10 and you get an instant $10 credit to use on 4days.com. That's F-O-R-D-A-Y-S.com. Listeners of the Hey Change podcast get 15% off. Use code HeyChange15. That's 15% off with code HeyChange15. This is closed loop fashion. For today, for tomorrow, for days. Bruce H. Lipton, PhD, is an internationally recognized leader in bridging science and spirit, stem cell biologist, best-selling author of The Biology of Belief, and recipient of the 2009 Goy Peace Award. He has been a guest speaker on hundreds of TV and radio shows, as well as keynote presenter for national and international conferences. What we love most about Bruce is his revolutionary view on the world and the role we play in making a new kind of reality take form. The way that he presents his ideas is so empowering and both simple and accessible, but also profound. I think you're going to love this conversation that we had with him, and we decided to break it into two parts. In part one, we'll cover the foundations of epigenetics and how to decode ourselves to begin living the lives that we want. It's an eye-opening and very empowering session with lots of funny and insightful nuggets. So you might want to keep a notebook closed or at least take some mental notes to come back to later. Robin, what would you say is one of the biggest takeaways that you got from this conversation with Bruce? You know, after this conversation, I felt so uplifted because I feel like I understand the meaning of life now. Truly, you know, it's it sounds funny to say it out loud, but I actually feel this huge sense of relief and contentment and gratitude that I have a better sense of why we're here and what this is all about. No, I agree with you. I feel like after talking to Bruce, it's like he planted a voice in my head. <laughs> like I have a little Bruce inside me now. <laughs> yes. He's popping up and I'm like, this is why, and this is, you know, what he's trying to communicate. And it's not just about my life, but I'm seeing the world at large differently as well. And I just, I feel more calm. I feel more confident. I feel more optimistic about the future but also more empowered. And I can't wait for our listeners to, to dive in and to hopefully feel the same way. Yeah, let's dive right in because you too are going to be so uplifted and empowered by this conversation.
Bruce, it is so nice to have you on the show today. We've been really, really looking forward to this conversation. We're a huge fan of the work that you're doing, and we are just so excited to talk to you today. Thank you for being here. Oh, I want to thank you for this wonderful opportunity, not only to talk with you two young women, but actually to have this community to offer some information. Yes, definitely. We are really honored and excited to be part of a community of people who are looking to see what they can do to help change the world. And that's what this conversation is about. So as a bit of a preface, I would love to know if there is a short answer to what is epigenetics and what drew you to this work? Okay, let's start off with what is the conventional science called genetics and the relevance of that. And basically uh, it was a belief that I was teaching in medical school that uh, the genes that you get determine the character of your life, not just your physical character, but emotional and behavioral. And I say, so what's relevant about that story? And I go, what's relevant is as far as we know, we didn't pick the ones we came with. And if we don't like the characteristics, we can't change the genes. Uh, And then on top of that, we tell people, well, the genes turn on and off by themselves. So you had nothing to do with it. You could be walking down the street and all of a sudden the gene said, hey, cancer, let's have cancer. And you have no control. So I say, what were, what were we really teaching? And what is called genetic determinism, the belief that genes control, is victimization. Mm. That you're a victim. Oh, hey, I'm sorry about that. Uh, that's in the genes. Not my fault. It's the genes that did it. I got that from my mom and my dad. It's not me. And I go, that's the excuse. And uh, But if we tell people they're victims, what is the net result? And the result is this. I am powerless. That's what we were teaching people. Oh, over your health. You have no power over your health. Go see the professional. Mm. And so we got programmed to buy the story from the professional and ignore the story we would tell ourselves, in fact, you know? So uh, uh, we gave up power. And I say, so, okay. I go, ah, but there's a new science. It's called epigenetics. And I go, well, it sounds like the same. But I say, no, epi, the prefix, means above. So, you know, what I call skin, I call it epidermis. And I say, why? Just because underneath this layer of skin at the top, there's a layer called dermis. So epidermis means above the dermis. Now I go, and epigenetics means control above the genes. Oh, what's controlling the genes? Consciousness. And I go, you mean we control our own genes? I go, absolutely. You are powerful. You are a creator. You are creating health or you're creating disease. You're creating trauma or you're creating love. We're creating. And, and I go, why is it relevant? Get rid of the victim and start owning what's happening in my life is not an accident. And I need to, uh, Robin, to emphasize one thing about that. One more thing. The most valid science on this planet is called quantum physics. It is the most tested and most affirmed to be true. So if you want to talk truthful, quantum physics. And I go, so why is that relevant? I go, since 1927, when quantum physics was first recognized, from day one, it was recognized that consciousness is creating our life experiences. That is a fundamental principle number one. I go, what does that mean? I goes, well, if you change consciousness, you change life experience. I go, yeah, that, that's true. And, and I say, so why is the ultimate understanding so important? It's because we are creators. And the problem with that is sometimes, well, I created all this good stuff over here. No, I didn't create any of that stuff. And I go, 
No, we created everything. <laughs> uh, and, and until people get responsibility and understand it, they don't know that what they're creating is they're creating it because if they want to change their lives. We keep expecting everything outside to change and then I'll be better. And it goes, no, first the change starts inside. The outside will manifest those changes after we change. So the most important question and the longest answer I just made to it, what's the difference between genetics and epigenetics? Genetics is a belief system of being a victim of your gen genes that you receive through heredity. Epigenetics is the complete opposite story. It says you are the master, you are the controller, you control all genetic activity, whether it's healthy or unhealthy, you are still in charge. I feel so empowered. <laughs> <laughs> just listening to that short answer. Um, so this this season of the podcast is actually called Optimist in Action. And yes. Robin and I both are firm believers that you like optimism is something you actually create more so than a mindset that you just choose. And I sometimes say optimism isn't something you choose, it's something you create. Um, and it just goes so well with everything you just explained. But can you, from a scientific standpoint, explain why positive thinking in itself isn't enough. Yes, because first of all, we have to say that thinking and thought and consciousness create our life experiences. So that's a given. But what people don't understand is when I say consciousness, I say, well, unfortunately, that comes from the mind. I go, what do you mean unfortunately? Because I say, unfortunately, because we believe the mind, like I have one mind. I go, that's where all the problems come from. The mind is an interaction or interdependent interaction of two different things. The conscious mind, which is the latest part of evolution, and the previous version called subconscious mind, and together they create the mind. I guess, so why is it important? I say, because the conscious and subconscious have different functions, and they learn in different ways, and that's the confusion of life. I go, what do you mean? I go, the conscious mind is creative. The subconscious mind is habit. And I go, oh, the subconscious mind, a lot of people say evil. I go, no, no, <laughs> you can have good habits, you can have bad habits, but it's not evil. It's, it's, uh, let me, maybe it's simplify it even further by this. The mind, the brain is the ultimate computer. We all know that humans can't even build anything as smart as that, okay? But I go, what, computer? I go, why is it relevant? Well, let's use an analogy and then put it back into place. And the analogy is this, uh, we wanna go uh, buy, let's buy a new computer. So we go to the store. We come home, brand new computer, uh, plug it in, push start. It boots up. I go, yeah. Now I say, do something. Make a write, you know, write a story, make a drawing, do a spreadsheet. You go, no, I can't, I can't do that. I say, why not? You got a brand new computer. Not until I have programs in the computer can I use the computer. So A, you buy the computer. B, you download the programs you want to use in the computer. And then C, you can engage the keyboard and add your information to that computer. So, so why is it relevant? The brain is a computer. It's actually boots up in the last trimester of pregnancy. And I go, oh, the fetus's brain, last, it's, it's kicked in. The screen's on. I say, so what? I said, it can't do anything. Why not? First, it needs programs. So I said, where do you get the programs from? Not Microsoft, okay? Where do you get the <laughs> programs from? Uh, and the answer is simply this. We download programs of behavior 
by observing other people in the first seven years of our lives. Our brain is not operating at full consciousness for the first seven years. It's actually a lower vibration. Now I say vibration, I go, yeah, what? People know you can put wires on a person's head, read brain activities called electroencephalograph, EEG, okay? And I go, there are vibrational levels that have different meanings. The higher the vibration, the more conscious, the lower the vibration, less conscious. I go, so why? I say, for the first seven years of a child's life, the vibration of the brain is actually just below regular consciousness. It's in something called theta, a vibration lower. Alpha is a higher vibration. That's where consciousness is. But for seven years, predominant theta. I go, what's theta? I said, character-wise, theta is imagination. I go, yeah. Children in theta up to age seven mix the real world and the imaginary world. Yeah. Tea party time. Pour nothing into the cup, drink the nothing, and go, that was the best tea I ever had in my life, you know? <laughs> and I go, yeah, that's theta, imagination and reality, okay? So I go, but theta is hypnosis. I go, why is it relevant? First question is this, how many rules does it take to be a functional member of a family and a functional member of a community? If we had to list those rules, you know how many th thousand rules, thousands of rules of how you have to behave to conform, and I go, well, a child, an infant, how the heck are they going to get all these rules down? They can't read the book. They can't go to school. And I go, no, nature is theta. Yeah, imagination. Yeah, but theta is hypnosis. I go, why is it relevant? The first seven years is downloading programs to use in your brain computer. I say, yeah, but where do you get the programs from? And the answer is hypnosis. I watch my mother. I watch my father, I watch my siblings, I watch my community. And just by watching, it's like a video camera. Whatever I see goes in the camera, down into the program of subconscious. Point. Where do I get the basic programs of how to live my life and live in a world? And the answer is, not from you. <laughs> you got it from the other people. I go, why is that relevant? Number one. Does their life and their behavior match your wishes and your desires? Or do you want something different? I go, why? Well, if you got their program, then you're going to manifest their life. That's, that's what you got. Okay. So I go, oh, so I get these programs. Uh, and then, but then I say, yeah, but the conscious mind kicks in around seven. And I start getting conscious uh, alpha, higher brain activity. I go, wow, that's creative. I go, yeah, that's the cool part about a human. We can have imagination and then manifest a creation from the vision, okay? Lower animals don't have imagination, so they can't do that, okay? So I go, oh, that's really cool. So my conscious mind is the creator and I can create, but oh, that's so great. And I go, one problem and a big problem. What is that problem? The conscious mind is like uh, the control. Imagine, just imagine for a moment, the body is a vehicle with a steering wheel. And I go, ah, the conscious mind got his hands on the wheels. Where's it going to take me? To wishes and desires. I'm driving this vehicle to wishes and desires. I go, cool. And then I go, yeah, but the conscious mind not only is the driver, but the conscious mind can do something called thinking. What does that mean? So Anne Therese or Robin, uh, well, today is uh, Monday. Uh, if I just asked you right now, I said, tell me what you're doing on Thursday. And if it's not written directly in front of you right now, I bet you in a couple of seconds, you can tell me exactly what you're going to do on Thursday. I said, well, where'd you get the answer from?
you thought about it. Ah, darn it, that's the issue. Why? Because if you're being conscious, you're driving the vehicle. But when you're thinking, you're not looking out the window anymore. Thinking is inside. So conscious mind lets go of the wheel. I go, then who's driving the vehicle? I go, subconscious is autopilot. So I say, oh, so when you're thinking, your character driving the car, walking, talking, your job, whatever it is, when you're thinking, those functions are carried out by the programs that you got. When you stop thinking, you can create with your wishes and imagination. No program. Now you're creating, okay? Bad news time. We're only conscious 5% of the day. I go, yeah, because 95% of the day is the amount that the average person is thinking. What am I doing now? What am I doing tomorrow? Where am I going? Where have I been? Who did what to what? What I'm thinking. I go, oh, yeah, but that means then conscious mind let go of the wheel. I go, yeah, it did. Why? It's not looking out the window anymore. It's thinking. I said, yeah, but subconscious steps in. Yeah, and I go, and how is that going to drive? Whatever way the program is. You didn't, that's not you. That's the program you got from other people. And I go, so why is it relevant? Are you living your life? Are you living the program? Answer, 95% of your life is the program. And all of a sudden he says, oh my God, then I'm, I wonder why I have trouble creating my life because quantum physics, the most valid science says, my consciousness is creating. I wouldn't create this mess. I wouldn't create this illness. I wouldn't create cancer. I go, not in your conscious mind, your subconscious mind. In fact, a very important point, just so I, I use the word cancer a minute ago. Let me just say, give a fact that people's like, stop. What? There's no gene that causes cancer. No, there's not one gene. You got that gene? You have cancer. Genes are correlated with cancer, but not causative of cancer. And I get, well, somebody like Angelina Jolie comes from her family. She got the breast cancer gene. What in her consciousness did she learn? Subconscious program. What did she learn? She didn't know about genes. Doctors told her, oh, genes control your life. Your mother had the breast cancer gene and she died and your grandmother had the breast cancer gene and she died. So Angelina says, ah, double mastectomy. I'm young, healthy, and vibrant right now. So if I remove my breast right now, I'm not going to get cancer. I go, well, that's wrong <laughs> because the same gene also causes ovarian cancer too. So it's like, okay, you didn't, you know, you got to do the whole hysterectomy, the breasts off, and then I don't know where it might show up. But what was the point? There's no gene that causes cancer. The belief of the gene causing cancer drives her to have a double mastectomy. Why? I'm going to die. My mother died. My grandmother died. And I go, and 95% of the women that carry those genes never get the cancer. So what the heck does that mean? Logic. Having the gene didn't cause cancer. 90, half the women that got the gene never get the cancer. I said, where did the cancer come from? Not living in harmony. And all of a sudden I say, yeah, but how did that happen? I say, where did you get your program from? Oh, your mother? Was she living in harmony? No, she got the cancer. Guess what? Whatever program, the way she's living, you're going to do the same thing. Why? You downloaded her program as a woman. You already downloaded your mother's program. Who? And your mother downloaded from who? Your grandmother, who also had the problem. So I say, 
I thought genes run through families. Yeah, they do. But guess what? Behavior is programmed to run through families because the first seven years of your life, you're being programmed. And that 95% of your life is from that program. Now we're left with a very unfortunate situation. I'll tell you what it is. The programming started before you were born. While you were in utero, the last trimester, you were learning. Guess what? You learned what foods your mother ate because you're going to eat those foods as well because that's, you got what she got because your fetal blood is actually coming from your mother's blood. The nutrition and the information such as hormones and emotional chemicals and all those factors are coming as well as nutrition. You're getting them. And if your mother has a pattern, as a fetus, you will learn a pattern, okay? Secondarily, from age zero to age seven, your mind is in theta and theta is um, recording other people's behavior. That's where you got your program. So I go, so, you know, why is all this relevant? And I go, well, what program did you get when you're in utero? No, I don't know. I wasn't there. Okay. Okay. What program did you get between zero and one? No, I don't know that one either. Okay. How about from one to two? What program did you get? No, I don't know that one. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, you got fundamentally programmed and you have no awareness of the program. Your conscious mind wasn't even working. It was just downloading. So you can't use your conscious mind to say, what was the program? It wasn't there. So now all of a sudden we're in a problem, aren't we? And why I say, what is it? 95% of my life is coming from a program. I have no idea what the heck a program is. And I go, yes, you do. I go, 95% of your life is coming from the program. Your life is a printout of your program. Yeah. The things you like, they come into your life. They came in because you had a program to acknowledge them. But the one that's most important for all of us, including myself and you wonderful women and all the people out in that audience, the more important one is this, is what about the things that you want in life, but you have to struggle over them, work hard, put a lot of effort into it, sweat, or I'm going to make this happen. Why are you working so hard? And the answer is clear and beautiful. The program that you got doesn't support that conclusion. That's why you struggle. It's not the world saying, I'm going to make it hard for you. No, no. The world's waiting for you to create. And I go, yeah, but I have wishes of health and happiness and great relationships and love. I have all these great wishes and desires. I go, 5% of the day, you are going to engage those. Unfortunately, 95% of the day is thinking, which automatically takes consciousness out of the program. It's thinking. It's inside now. And 95% of your life is now coming from your program. Your program is being printed as the expression of your life right here, right now. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my God. I go, if you understand this, you have the first key to do what? Change that programming. I was going to get that. I'm like, you must be able to change this. <laughs> well, if, it, if I couldn't do that, first of all, you wouldn't want to interview me because I said, well, I'm sorry, guys. You're all screwed now. That's it. Forget about it. You know, no, you can change your program. Okay. But again, the problem of not recognizing the mind is two separate elements that the conscious mind learns in one way and the subconscious mind learns in another way. It's always been a limitation. Okay. So first of all, 
you don't even know what your subconscious programs are. That's why the first thing you got to take a look at your life and start to review it. Okay. Uh, and it's interesting because I've used a story. You probably have heard it several times now <clears throat> for 30 or more years, the same story, but it works because I can't get a better one yet. And the story is this, that you have a friend and you know your friend's behavior very well, and you know your friend's parent. And one day you see your friend has the exact same behavior as their parent. You got to tell your friend, you know, you got to go, hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. And I say, back away from Bill. The moment you say that, I already know what Bill's going to say. How can you compare me to my dad? I'm nothing like my dad. And everyone in the audience laughs because they've had that experience. I say the most profound story in the world is that. I go, what do you mean? Everyone else can see that Bill behaves like his dad. Who's the one that doesn't see it? Bill. Well, explain that. I said, yeah, I just did. A, he got the program from his dad in the first seven years. B, when does he play the program? When his conscious mind's not paying attention and going inside. So whatever program is being played, Bill's the one that doesn't see it. Everybody else does see it. And I go, why is it relevant? And here it comes, the beautiful part. Hold on. We are all Bill. <laughs> Every one of us is doing this every day, just like Bill, playing behaviors and not observing them. I go, why is it relevant? Because if 70% of those download programs apparently are not supporting us, 70% of the programs are disempowering, self-sabotaging, limiting beliefs that we acquire. I go, so why is it relevant? 95% of your life, you're sabotaging it with programs that don't support you. Do you see these programs? Nope. Like Bill, didn't see them. They were automatic. And I go, why is that relevant? Because the story of the movie, The Matrix, is not science fiction. The movie, The Matrix, is a documentary. Yeah. A, we all got programmed. That's a fact. Everybody got programmed. You couldn't get here without the first seven years of programming anyway. Okay. But what did the movie offer? They said, there's a red pill. Ooh, what's the red pill do? You take the red pill, you get out of the program. I go, whoa, that would be cool. What would happen? And here comes the best part of all. Almost everybody out there, if they're over teenage years anyway, has taken that red pill with the most profound results in their life, blew their mind. I said, I already took the red pill. Yeah. When? When you fell in love with somebody. I go, why? Because falling in love changes the ratio of conscious and subconscious. When I fall in love, I don't want to think. I want to be here. This is what happens when people fall in love. They stop thinking. They stay mindful. They want to be, look, you've been looking for this person your whole life. They show up. Is this the time to think? Uh-uh, this is time to be here. I go, so what happens? Instead of just 5% of the day, when you fall in love, over 90% of the day, your life is not coming from programs. It's coming from conscious, creative wishes and desires. The moment you stop playing that program, your life changed. I go, what do you mean? I say, every day your life was blah, 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 blah. On this day, you meet that special person. Next day, heaven on earth, heaven on earth, heaven on earth. I say, what you, oh, honeymoon. What is honeymoon? Heaven on earth. Well, how'd you create the honeymoon? 
you stopped playing the program. It was the equivalent of the red pill. And when you were out of the program, you became creator, not with the program, creator with the imagination, creative, conscious mind. And when you're in charge of that, you manifested a creation called honeymoon. I go, that was always there. It's always there. You may not experience it anymore. Because once you had the honeymoon, how did you get it? Because I stopped thinking. And I said, yeah, but at some point, guess what? You have a job, you have responsibilities, you have chores, you got to do things. I go, what does that entail? Thinking. I say, why is it relevant? You and your partner came together, not with subconscious minds. They were never used. You stay mindful. Both of you co-creating. Co-creating what? Honeymoon. Heaven on earth. I said, but after a while, when thinking comes in, the conscious mind starts to slow down. And all of a sudden, the subconscious is in. I go, yeah, but those behaviors aren't yours. They, they were downloaded. I go, why is it relevant? Your partner never saw your programs. Your partner only saw you, the conscious, wishful, desiring, imagination person that manifests. But all of a sudden, programs showed up and they're negative. And your partner looks at you after you said something that came from your subconscious and your partner goes, who are you? Where did, where did that come from? Then we return the story around. Your partner is Bill. I go, why? Bill didn't see what he said. He didn't see it. He was thinking. He was just playing a program. Unfortunately, when couples don't know the difference between the two minds and which is operating, those interactions into squabbles, fights, criticism, you're yelling at each other. And I go, yeah, of course they're yelling at each other. The Bill entity just said something stupid, but didn't see it, now has been accused of being somebody else. And that Bill entity in consciousness going, I don't know what you're talking about. Because Bill's consciousness didn't say it, his subconscious program did. So I go, so why is it relevant? Uh, and the answer is this. We are creators exactly as quantum physics said. When we stop playing the program, the equivalent of the red pill, we start creating exactly what we want in this life. And yet thinking takes us back and pushes us back to drive from the program. And then we lost the control. We're not in control 95% of the time. Did we just leave you with the cliffhanger? Well, part two is coming soon. So make sure to stay tuned for Bruce to teach us how to create that red pill that will take you out of your subconscious programming and into the control room of your wishes and desires. Also, how do we use these tools and insights to not just create the lives that we want, but the world that we want? Make sure to come back next week for part two. If you liked the episode, please share with family and friends. And if you have a second over, go give us five stars in the app so that we can reach more listeners just like you. We love hearing from our listeners. So please tag us when you share this episode on social media. We'd love to connect with you and learn about what you are doing too. You can find where to reach us in the show notes. Now when you've learned the scientific importance of creating optimism, what does being an optimist in action mean to you?